Jonathan Bryant, and I have the privilege of serving as the Chief Administrator of Lincoln Charter School. I've been with this school since 2007. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight some of the amazing staff and stakeholders that we have at Lincoln Charter and to share some of the college experiences of our guests. As we all know, college preparation is the goal of Lincoln Charter. I'm also a former middle school social studies teacher, so I'm always interested in storytelling and finding out more about the individuals that make Lincoln Charter a great school and community. You may ask, where does Edge of the Aerie come from? You'll likely know that an eagle's nest is an Aerie, which obviously has meaning for our Eagle Nation. And I intend for this podcast to give you a perspective from the Lincoln Charter community. Therefore, each episode will come to you from the Edge of the Aerie. As you likely know, Lincoln Charter is one of the oldest and largest public charter schools in all of North Carolina. We were founded in 1998 and we have a K-12 campus in Lincolnton and Denver. Part of my job is to stay informed about education and college preparation, current events and associated topics. And so uh, for some episodes, I will share an article or two that might benefit our community um, regarding college preparation. These articles will be listed in the show notes and I'll note that uh, this episode, um, I'm including an article on test anxiety. We know that we're all coming up into testing season, um, so tips and tricks for that, and some information about the Common App essay prompts. It's never too early to start thinking about how you might respond on your college essay, and so hope you enjoy those uh, articles. So let's get to this episode's guest. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Mr. Walt Watson. Mr. Watson started teaching for us in 2013. I have always been impressed with Mr. Watson's love of teaching, his passion for helping his students grow, and his efforts to push Lincoln Charter to greater heights. Mr. Watson, welcome to Edge of the Airy. Thank you. Absolutely. If you can start, uh, have you ever been on a podcast before? No. I, I've been on the radio, but I've never been on a podcast. Well, welcome, and I'm excited to be experiencing it with you for the first time. Thank you. Can you uh, start by just telling us about yourself, your background, and, and whatnot? Okay. I'm third-generation Navy. My, my grandfather, who I'm, I'm named for, was in World War One. My dad was in for 20 years, retired uh 1959, I decided to go into the Navy, went to the Naval Academy, spent 20 years in, retired as a commander. Uh, then I decided to go into business for myself. And after 11 years, decided I really didn't like my boss. So I... Uh, <laughs> business for yourself. Yes. Understood. <laughs> then, I, then I just thought about it and said, when I was in the Navy, I... I taught, so I want to go into teaching, and and I did that through a teacher alternative prep program in mm -hmm. Georgia. Now I I kind of have varied interests. I like to ride motorcycles. I I love to walk, hike, camp. Um, just like to be outdoors. Outdoors is good for the soul. Yeah, it is. Well, we um, I know I. Uh, on behalf of me and the school, um, I appreciate your service and to our country. And you're you have a lifetime of service because teaching is a service as well, uh, in in my view. And so appreciate appreciate that uh, that background. 
Tell us a little bit about your relationship to Lincoln Charter. What do you do for us and, and some of the subjects that you're currently teaching and, and what you've taught for us in the past as well? So at LCS, I, uh, I taught for four years before I had to move to the West Coast. Then I taught uh, pre-calculus. I taught uh, what was then called advanced functions and modeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dabbled in teaching... Uh, math one, which didn't go well, and uh, AP calculus, which I really found out I don't like. Um, <laughs> now I'm teaching pre-calc and integrated math four, which is mm-hmm. similar to advanced functions and modeling. Right. And you and I mentioned that you, I believe you started with us in 2013. Does that sound right to you? I, I, I think, think it was 2014 <laughs> through 2017. Okay. And then now this year. Right. And and we're all very happy to have you back and oh. uh, um, know that you had uh, some uh, things to take care of out West. And um, But I know our staff and students, we're all happy to see you come back into the area. Well, thank you. I really feel welcomed and I really enjoy it. So great. Tell, uh, is there anything in particular that you appreciate about Lincoln Charter that you'd like to share? Um, yes, actually, Lincoln Charter is a lot different from I, I've been at. Uh, let's see, four public schools uh, before in three different states, and there, there's a dramatic difference between Lincoln Charter and the other schools in the form of the vast majority of the students really want to be here. They want to learn. They want to succeed. Their parents are supportive of them. They're mm-hmm. supportive of the staff. Uh, the leadership here is supportive of the staff. So it's like it's like just a perfect environment to try to help kids to learn, which I love. And these kids really do succeed. It's amazing. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I also feel like our staff want to help kids grow as well. And that and that's and and you're obviously a big part of that and a a great colleague and teammate. But that that certainly is a a big part of working in a in a school and the success of a school too. So yeah, I kind of forgot that issue that <laughs> the the <laughs> staff in the past has turned over during the four years I was gone. So it, it's it's different this year than it was. But yes, the staff is is certainly a wonderful group to work with. Yep. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your college experience. Um, and I know you and I have talked about that, um, have talked about that in the past. Can you give us a little perspective on what the Naval Academy was like, <laughs> which uh, I'm sure is different than many of the other guests and, uh, and college experiences that we'll be talking about on this podcast? So the, the Naval Academy is, is a top 10 ranked engineering school uh, in the country and you're expected to finish your program in four years. Uh, I had to complete 146 units in those four years. Uh, I was an engineering physics major, which is really pre-nuclear power. Uh, not exactly what I would choose now, mm-hmm. but it was extremely demanding in terms of your time. You had to be constantly focused and working hard. Um, and I really got there ill-prepared for that. I didn't figure it out really until my senior year. 
Um, I also went to Nash University and got my master's in 1982, but I did graduate from the Naval Academy in <laughs> 76, which is a long time ago. Uh, very demanding place. And I, I'm glad that we have gotten a student. I think one student went to the Naval Academy. We got one at the at West Point now. Correct. And we had one that went to Coast Guard. And we and we had uh, Air Force prep. Um, okay. A uh, number of years ago. Wow. Um, but that's now I'm really dating myself because I <laughs> wouldn't remember what year that was. <laughs> um, and is uh, the Naval Academy being a demanding institution? Can you give us a little, some specifics of what that meant for you day to day? I'm yes. sure, sure things may have changed uh, since then, but there's a there's strong tradition there from what I understand. So for, for every hour of class, I, I found out you really need to spend about two hours of prep in advance of the class, both doing the homework as well as uh, kind of outlining the information that the professor is going to do because you, you, there's no way you can keep up with the pace that they have to follow uh, in class. And since I I was taking 18 or 19 units every semester, that meant I was spending 36 to 40 hours prepping for those classes. And when you added in all the other stuff, they're just it was very long days. You were up till 11 at night working and then you're up at six in the morning and mm -hmm. off you go again. Right. And I, if, if I had known that my plebe year, I would have probably done better mm -hmm. than I did. Well, live and learn, right? Yes. So, yes. What, and um, what about the, the physical training demands and whatnot? Was that a challenge in addition to studies? Well, er everyone that goes there is, has been involved in athletics and, I mean, you, you take PE year round all four years. You have tests that you have to pass every year. Every I think twice a year we had to run the mile in under six and a half minutes, which was no mm -hmm. trouble. Mm -hmm. You had to do swimming. You had to do uh, other tests. The, the killer was going out and doing the obstacle course. You had, I think, like a minute to finish this thing, and it was pretty intense mm -hmm. i don't maybe i'm wrong it was maybe it was two minutes but it was at the end of it, it it was hard yeah so yeah there was a lot of demand there uh we were always also you were involved in sports year round if it wasn't intercollegiate you were involved in intramural mm -hmm. battalion level or company level um so you were expected to be doing some form of athletics at least three hours a week outside of your uh, classes. And we walked everywhere on a huge campus. Wow. Well, I'm sure most people, I think, feel a sense of accomplishment once they complete their studies and complete college. I'm sure that I'm sure that was a a sense of accomplishment for you and your, your classmates. It, it was, but then it started the process of getting prepared for being a naval officer. Right. Which in my case was going out on a ship as a division officer. Right. Can you tell our listeners what is there, and you may have alluded to this already, but is there anything that you would have done 
differently heading into college uh, preparation wise or otherwise? I, I definitely would have immediately started outlining the lessons that all college professors give you a syllabus in advance. You have your textbooks. Mm-hmm. If you open them up and you outline what that section is, when you go into class, you just have to fill in the things you don't understand. Right. And, and I didn't know that. And there's one course I will never forget called fluid dynamics. The professor's nickname was rocket Reed because he came in, talked to the chalkboard, the whole period writing the whole time, no questions, nothing. And you could not keep up. He was fast. Rocket, rocket Reed. Reed. He was, he had his doctorate and he was there for research. Wow. So he was tough. He was, you needed like a stenographer, like somebody that could yes. type like a mile a minute. To, I, uh, keep I went back and looked at my notes after class and couldn't even read them. Wow. It's just wasted. Yeah. Well, um, I know that we probably have all had challenging college professors, but it's, uh, I understand why that one sticks in your memory. <laughs> <laughs> what did you... Was there anything that you felt, um, obviously preparing for the Naval Academy is different than preparing for a, a typical or standard public or private institution um, in, in some ways. Is there anything that you felt like you did well in preparation for college that, that did set you set you on a good course? I, I enjoy learning. It's probably the number one thing I love to do. Mm-hmm. Con- constantly reading, constantly trying to learn. And that's probably the thing. When when I graduated from high school, I had gone through up through eight or it wasn't AP calc. It was just college calc. But I did that in my junior year of high school and I tried to take every course that I could. Um, so that helped me, I think, mm-hmm. to be better prepared for the course load that I had. Okay, good. And, just, and obviously you were involved in athletics and yes. tip top shape, I'm sure. And uh, I'm sure that helped you with the physical demands. I ran cross country and played soccer. So yes. Okay. Very good. Reflecting back on your college days, is there anything that you, any, any choices that you would make that were different? I would definitely not choose engineering physics as my major. <laughs> I liked engineering by itself. And I liked physics by itself. But when you combine those two together, it was just it was basically giving us the ability to be able to design a nuclear reactor. Mm -hmm. It was to prep us to be nuclear officers in the fleet. And I found out I just didn't like it. So, yeah, I would have chosen my major differently. And your major then directly correlated to your responsibilities following the Naval Academy. Is that to help help me understand that? No, it, it would have had I become a nuclear officer. Instead, I became main propulsion assistant on a diesel powered uh, ship. And the whole engineering process, how you think, how you approach things helped me to do that job. Yes. Okay. But there is just so much you have to learn in order to be a division officer on a ship. It's Mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. It it takes three, really three years to get there. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. What um, you you mentioned some of the student life activities and and whatnot, particularly sports and things. Was there any what was the opportunity at the Naval Academy for extracurriculars outside of athletics? And and were there any that you uh, took advantage of? I was involved in a a physics honor society that we did things like we built. This is 
1974, we built a, a solar powered car that was brought to the Army Navy game. So it was kind of fun working with the other physics students. Um, That's cool. I was I was involved with a group called the Navigators uh, at the Academy too, and you know you you got opportunities if you wanted. You could have a sponsor off campus, mm-hmm. you know, a, a couple who would kind of treat you like a a parent away from home, right? And so there was stuff you could certainly do. I was not into drama or any of that stuff, but that was available, right? Okay. How big was this solar car? Like a full size car was, or, a, was, or like like a model? No, it was about six feet long, maybe three feet wide, sat up about a foot off the ground. So it was mostly panels mm-hmm. with a spot someone could sit in and it would make them go. We had batteries on it. And it was at the Army-Navy game. That's at the Army-Navy game, yep. Fascinating. Yeah, that's big, huge entertainment there, Naval Academy. You uh, you could have sold that the secrets to that car to Elon Musk and um, <laughs> just, just so. to change the trajectory of your life, you know? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but it, cool. it did work. It, I think it ran about five miles an hour. Okay. All right. Mr. Watson, can you share about a person that you look up to, a hero, mentor, somebody that, that has uh, contributed to your life or has a special place in your heart? So... In high school, I had a uh, chemistry teacher who he, he kind of took myself and another student alongside. He, he was the staff sponsor for the California Scholastic Federation. Mm-hmm. As a group, we'd go on camping trips twice a year. Uh, but, but he really inspired me and a few of my close friends. So the next year, my senior year, I, I was actually kind of a, a lab assistant for him. And um, ultimately, he's the one who inspired me to go into teaching. Mm-hmm. He made a difference in my life, so I figured I, I could make a difference in the lives of other students. What was his name? Uh, Jay Russell. He he actually just passed away two years ago, and Sorry, yeah. I was in touch with him. Well, he was getting up there in age. He was a lot older than me, so right. Well, it's uh, I think he was about ninety when he passed away. Okay, I know many of our many of our teachers and staff have had at least one person that was the sort of a catalyst for them or inspired their love for teaching or appreciation for education and natural curiosity. And so I have six former students who are now teachers at Lincoln Charter. That's uh, that's that is leaving a legacy, sir. Uh, we, we appreciate it. And obviously we, we love to welcome those alumni back. Would you share a book or an article? I know you mentioned that you read and you've, you uh, are always learning anything that you would recommend to our, to our listeners or any, anything that you think might be interesting. So listeners. yes, I, I read a lot constantly. Uh, my focus right now is on trying to figure out how we can do a better job with our students. So I'm reading a book called PLC Plus, Better Decisions and Greater Impact by Design. And it's just telling or helping teachers to see how we can work better together Mm -hmm. to plan and, I guess, present lessons that will engage the students better. Mm -hmm. In In a PLC 
yes. uh, professional learning community. I'm sorry, which in, in my case, that means the other math teachers, but the entire staff actually could be called a professional learning community. Right. And PLCs are something that I think people tend not to understand fully. And there's so much power that could come to bear if, if we work together more effectively. Yep. We can always do a better job of that. And we have that that unique K-12 ability to lean into that as well, which is which is a so vertical teaming right now, um, which is one thing that I appreciate very much about our school, that we're all together and you can watch high schoolers, mentor elementary school students. And if everybody's working well together, then it makes everybody better, uh, creates a better, better environment for everybody. Makes sense. If a, if a student tutors another student, they actually learn more deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just love it when I sit back in my class after I present something and I'm watching students work together, one student in a group of three, maybe tutoring the other two. And it's, it's like, yes, that's exactly what I want. Well, that's life, right? So mm-hmm. helping, helping each other to understand and gain a deeper understanding and, and to learn and be better people. Yes. So that's great. Is there something about you that most people familiar with you would not know? I'm going to say it might be that I have six children, five, five boys. And the oldest is a girl. I have eight grandchildren uh, and I have two great grandchildren and and my granddaughter who has the two children who graduated from here Mm -hmm. is currently working to get her uh, bachelor's in elementary education. Very good. Yes. (laughs) Leaving that legacy. That's Uh, could be. Yeah, she's you would be amazed if you saw her now. Well, hope hope to do that soon. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> that's that's great, and the, and all those kids are spread out all over. So most of them are. Let's see, I've got Florida. Most are in Georgia. I've got one here in North Carolina who lives with my wife and I. Mm-hmm. And then I have one in uh, Ohio who lives with his family there. The great state of Ohio. Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people think. <laughs> Maybe not folks in Michigan. I don't know. Um, Is there any um, any music that you're listening to right now? So in in the classroom, I actually use as a uh, classroom management tool when I'm not teaching and the kids can work together and talk. Mm -hmm. I turn on the music and I turn on 70s rock. So 70s rock. It's amazing how much they love it. (laughs) They do. We have some we have some students with great music taste, I think. Yes. Uh, seeing some of the band T-shirts that that pass by. Yes. So yes. any uh, favorite bands of you, either you or your classes um, coming from there's the yeah, Fleet, Fleetwood Mac has to be up at the top. I mean, they're and they're still performing. It's like, holy smokes. I love Fleetwood Mac, ZZ Top, Led Zeppelin. They're just there's a ton of them, even. Even Black Sabbath. I like Black Sabbath. <laughs> and I see Black Sabbath. Uh, that's funny you say that because I see some Black Sabbath sweatshirts and T-shirts around. Uh, really? From students. So there's hope. There's hope for the, uh, hope for the future. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, 
What's your favorite food? I I like pizzas. I like the supreme pizza. Uh, my wife likes the ultimate meat lovers pizza, but we we both love pizza. Is there a place that you would recommend? There's, uh, I think it's called Stone Fired Pizza in Lincolnton. That's not far from where mm-hmm. we are, and that was really good. If you could have dinner with any person dead or alive, who would that be? Uh, Jimmy Carter, actually. I've, okay. Uh, he was, uh, I think, 19... 19- 46 graduate from the Naval Academy, Mm -hmm. may have been 49. He was a nuclear power officer, went on to become president of the United States. And I've always wanted to just sit down and talk to him. Yeah. And his wife, Rosalind, just amazing people. He, uh, and from Georgia. Yes. And so you have a little commonality with him there. And, um, and he was a one-term president, I believe, but yes, but definitely, had a lot of things happen during that presidency that not all his choice. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Very good. Is, is there anything you want to brag about? Brag about, I, I would brag about my students. They're just uh, a lot of fun. They work hard. They, they learn well. Uh, I, I just love my students. Okay. Very good. Working with kids is a humbling endeavor, I think. And we, we have, we have great, great kids and great families. So. That's, and it's, it's rewarding though. Yep. For sure. Definitely a rewarding pursuit uh, and profession. So yes, I appreciate that you're pursuing that at Lincoln Charter. At least for another year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Commander Watson, I appreciate your time very much. It was an absolute pleasure to get to know you a little bit better. And I hope that this is conversation was beneficial for our listeners. I continue to be inspired by you and your life of service. And I mean that with all sincerity. And I want to thank you for your hard work and dedication to Lincoln Charter and for how you help to make us better every day. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning into this episode. I hope that you will tune in next time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for taking the time to listen to the edge of the airy. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The Edge of the Airy is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms, and Miss Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by, by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you may also know as Michael Paulino Albin. Our team uses the free Anchor app to create each episode, which is found at anchor.fm. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Feel free to rate or review the podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.